Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Charlie Chang, Managing Director of Polyhedron. I first met Charlie when he was CEO of Kilopass Technology, where he grew the core memory business into a successful acquisition by Synopsys. Prior to that, Charlie was an entrepreneur in residence at U.S. Venture Partners and a corporate VP at Faraday Technology, which is a Taiwanese semiconductor company. He joined Faraday after he co-founded Lexra, a CPU IP company. Charlie started his career at General Electric and IBM before focusing on microprocessor, uh, semiconductor, EDA, and the IP business. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, it's great to talk to you again. First, can you tell us what Polyhedron does? Yeah, so Polyhedron is a high-touch technology consulting firm, and we focus in semiconductor, IP, and other technology-related business. Oh, great. Uh, I'm sure that's got a lot of interesting stories behind it. We can do that on a different podcast, but today let's talk about yeah, today let's talk about Andes and RISC V. I, I know you're a big fan of RISC V, and you are a board advisor for Andes uh, for quite a few years. Uh, and I expect, I understand you spend most of your time in the U.S. So tell us about Andes in the U.S. Sure. Um, Andes Technology is headquartered in Taiwan, but its U.S. presence has started, you know, as early as 2015. By now, there is more than 30 people, uh, the team is growing quickly uh, in the U.S. It has R&D, it has a business uh, center, so the U.S. general manager, sales, support, and myself are all based in the U.S. Interesting. So, you know, I know Andes from many, many years ago uh, from my time in Taiwan, but the U.S. maybe I'm not as familiar with. So what contributes to Andes U.S. growth? Uh, from maybe 2018 to today? Sure. In 2018 to today, the business has grown six to eight X, kind of lost count, and it has been pretty successful. I think the U.S. turned around and kind of started growing and rather quickly in the last four years because we've decided to not focus on the low-end microcontroller uh, embedded, deeply embedded processing business that perhaps Andy's technology has been known for worldwide. And instead, the U.S. business really has focused much more on machine learning and uh, AI applications than RISC V, and specifically the, the vector extension uh, has become popular in. So the U.S. business and the rest of the world for Andes seems very different. Um, how does the company balance you know, the different priorities? <laughs> so it's a good question. And sometimes we ask that ourselves and just by way of you know, giving a, a more complete picture, the greater Asia and some of the Euro- European business is microcontrollers for consumer automotive industrial, some embedded processing, and it has been a very successful business. And today I would say a great majority of the royalty um, revenue is generated from that. 
the U.S. business, you know, as I mentioned, is from machine learning and acceleration business. So the way we kind of we treat the two business is that the U.S. focus on a few, very few number of leading edge customers. They are typically quite large, and we work with them on roadmaps and on technology developments and on licensing, obviously. And the completed product, if you will, kind of work their, work their ways into our mainstream product lines. Sometimes takes half a year, sometimes takes a year and a half to get into the product announcements and general availability. Um, so that's how we kind of balanced it. The company's brand and the public image is still very much one of embedded processing and microcontrol functions which I think over time, we're going to start to slowly grow out of that. Got it. Yeah, well, you know, the business in the U.S. is different for just about everybody. You know, you know this from the IP business. So, uh, yes. but it's yeah. just interesting to see, you know, what, what the difference is between the U.S. and the rest of the world. Yeah. So, as an insider, Charlie, um, what is the biggest hidden value of Andy's technologies that customers and our audience maybe doesn't know about? Sure. Um, so there are two, uh, if I may. So the first one, which is kind of surprising, is that it's really hard to verify a microprocessor um, to the quality that's worthy for production. So there's a very high-profile RISC-V chip company. Um, it's got a lot of fanfare in the press as a a still stealth company. Um, they, they, they had a need for a housekeeping uh, system control function and didn't want to develop yet another RISC-V core. So they had a bake-off and we participated in it. Um, they thought the bake-off would be about you know, performance, power, or area. It turns out that after three months of verification, Andy's processor was the only processor to survive the verification um, testing rigor and the other two or three we're not sure the other vendors all dropped out because you know the licensee found bugs that's in the processor so i would say the first uh, hidden value of the andes really is how mature and robust and high quality the processor is um, the second thing which came from our 17, 18 years of shipping processors since 2004, actually 2005, when we were working on pre-RISC-V processor cores, which is every licensee has a different idea about how to configure a processor. So we've learned to create a lot of configuration options for licensees. It's gone a little while because the menu selection has now grown to several pages long, and we're trying to kind of consolidate a little bit. But the second surprise and hidden value would be the fact that the licensees has a lot of configuration flexibility to meet their you know, design, the SOC design needs. Got it. So what is the biggest surprise when licensees engage with Andy's? I suppose this is a bit of a backhand compliment. Almost everyone that I engage with, and I by no means 
have engaged with all of them, but maybe some of the key customers, they are always surprised at how technical Andes is. The depth of engagement and the interactions and the solutions we come up with are, I would say, super gnarly technical. Um, and that would be the surprise because Andes has been known for low cost, you know, efficient, embedded microcontrollers. And I guess a lot of, of licensees, particularly in the North America region, have not thought of us as the technical power, technology powerhouse. Um, so it was a, it's a bit of a pleasant surprise for them and suppose a backhand compliment to Andes as a company. We probably should have uh, promote that more. I agree with that completely based on my experience. <laughs> Thank you. So what areas do you see as Andy's biggest areas for improvement? Um, so I, I guess uh, picking on the, the tail end of the last question, I would say we definitely need to get out there more often and promote uh, in a language that is uh, more internationally recognized and internationally accepted standard of promotion. Um, you know, uh, as an Asian con company, um, we have a particular way of communicating. And this is not just Andes or Taiwan specific, but, you know, Renesis in Japan, companies in China, uh, there's a little bit of localization with every country and every company. Um, and I just think that Andes, you know, now having been dual listed in Taiwan and in Europe, it's time for us to appeal and try to create a brand that's internationally recognized um, and received. And so I would say that's the biggest uh, growth area for the company. And the company's a challenge for the management team, frankly. Yeah, yeah, that's my that's been my experience too, working with Taiwanese companies. Yeah. So what what's the future for Andes? How will Andes expand beyond risk five processors? So uh, we talk about it quite a bit, and we've observed other you know ecosystem members within the risk five community. And our conclusion is that we are going to stay true to RISC-V processors, at least for the next five years. Um, I can't really see beyond five years, but uh, I think we are going to be very focused on processors. Having said that, I think the ecosystem is not complete. Um, so um, when I think about machine learning, uh, there's a, a very tall software stack that a licensee has to complete and find from Apache's TVM to even higher level framework like PyTorch or TensorFlow um, down to LVM, the compilers and various other different you know, model integrations. I think there's a lot that we can do in the area that I'm most familiar with, which is machine learning. And beyond that, you know, if I look at horizontally, a processor needs to have a lot of tools, widgets, 
hardware connectors and things to be able to be fully integrated in an SOC. And the gold standard is obviously ARM. Compared to ARM, I think the RISC-V ecosystem um, has more freedom of choice, but it's also more complex. So I think I think Andy's in along these two axes are going to try to uh, expand our offering in the interest of accelerating licensees' adoption. And right now, we see licensees having challenges in those areas. Yeah, I agree. Ecosystem is is important. Yeah, it's also Very complicated. Important. Yeah, it's also complicated because we don't want to compete against our partners. And we don't want to, for sure, we don't want to compete against our customers. So a pretty simple decision is that within the next 10 years, we will not build a chip because our licensees build chips. As far as the ecosystem components, that's a much, that's much more nuanced discussion and decision. And so far we haven't stepped out of processor yet, but we might have to. Oh, well, thank you for your time, Charlie. Great conversation. Yeah, thank you very Good much. Good to catch up. Yeah, you too. We should talk soon. Definitely. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.